Warning! This episode is dark. It contains foul language, graphic descriptions of death and body decomposition, and mentions of murder and suicide. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, goosebump-inducing, nightmare-causing, gooey, spooky, and everything in between. Each week, we sit down with a very special guest, or just each other, and we talk about something weird. This week, it's just the two of us, (laughs) and we are bringing you one of those mishmash episodes that we like to call Helter Skelter, where we combine a few super strange stories that don't quite fit into our other episodes, but very much deserve to be told anyway. Even though our stories have a wide range and don't necessarily connect to each other, these usually end up being some of our favorite episodes, and we have a big old blasty blast bringing you these bizarre and fascinating tales. So stick with us as we stick some weirdness together for your listening pleasure. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Hello. Happy 420. I was just going to say happy 420. <laughs> we're, we're not celebrating in the way most celebrate 420, because we wanted to make sure we could tell our stories this right. evening. <laughs> but we were also a little disappointed in ourselves that we didn't plan ahead for this. Uh, that, yeah, especially since Joe and I did. Like, it wasn't even that it wasn't like not on my mind. We'll I have will to do say, it surprisingly, for those of you who don't know, so like for our Patreon every month, Joe and I do a bonus episode and usually it's Joe, uh, it's basically like Joe's rants. Like, yes, here's a topic that'll make so Joe much. angry, um, it, which is everything. You just say anything. <laughs> Something about it will make him mad. So. <laughs> So this time we were like, you know what? You know, we don't want to feel angry. We want to feel real groovy. We're going to do a special 420 episode. And it was actually surprisingly a fascinating episode. It's not just like us being high or whatever. Yeah. We also talked about like psychic abilities and a possible organ in our bodies that could produce them. And the great circle, which is the theory is about the fact that most of Earth's major historical sites like the pyramids of Giza, Persepolis, the Nazca Lines, Easter Island, etc are all in a straight line across the earth oh they're all like within 10 miles of the the latitude like latitude longitude that's so cool it's insane so we talk about that we talk about biology aliens yeah so it's awesome but we're also very high and i laughed so hard i almost died i couldn't breathe and I, even listening as a completely, like, clear-headed person to that little clip that you post on Instagram, I, I already told you, I was, like, keeled over laughing. I was laughing out <laughs> loud. I couldn't breathe <sighs> just because even when you're not high as a kite, like, when you hear a misunderstanding like that, it's just 
so funny. And listeners, if you're wondering what misunderstanding we're talking about, become one of our Patreon members <laughs> yeah. and you will hear it. <laughs> or follow us on Instagram because I posted the yes. clip on Instagram. But yeah, it's just so, so funny. And everyone's had that experience, whether you imbibe in, in uh drugs or alcohol or not everyone's yeah. had that experience where like you're laughing too hard you can't get the words out yeah you were trying to correct and no one's him, paying attention to you, you because <laughs> they don't know that you're saying words no <laughs> you kept going <laughs> he was just chatting away <laughs> i was cracking up did you know that you can taste garlic with your feet Shut the fuck up. I swear to God, we have garlic in the fridge. We should try this one. I'm about to be stinky stepping. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, apparently, it's thanks to Allison. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Allison. (laughs) Allison, Joe here. (laughs) First and foremost, I want to thank you (laughs) for making... This incredible discovery. Second of all, I will assume by your name that you are a fellow member of the tribe of Israel, at which point, you know, I want to thank you on behalf of our people. It's a big leap forward here. We have a, we have a, a, a love-hate relationship with garlic. Is chemical. Anyway, Allison. We have a last name for Allison. Can we, can, chemi- can, we, can we give Allison a last name? Allison is a chemical. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> okay, so it's a fucking acronym. A no, it's who? A L L. I'm I'm on the I'm on the verge of getting really angry. So you better. A L L I C I N Allison. It's a chemical. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm so glad you guys actually had like good, deep, fascinating conversation because I do think sometimes when you're partaking in the ganja, Dude, the conversations seriously. are so good. Like even when you first mentioned this episode, I was like, I know I sent you like all those random prompts, but they were all prompts to like start a really deep conversation. And I was yeah. like, just go nuts. We we also went into it with a the mindset that like, hey, this is an experiment. We've never done this before. It could be a total failure, and if so, it's fine. We'll record a completely sober episode next weekend. Like, I have time. So it wasn't like the end of the world. It's like, let's just try it. If we get something good out of it, awesome. We'll keep it. It'll be an episode. And if it's, like, just two fucking idiots, like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to make them. It's like, hey, thanks for $5. Like, here's trash. No, it's actually a really good episode. So it worked out. I'll probably listen as soon as we're done here. Maybe, because it's 420, I will partake with one of my gummies, sit back with my headphones, and give it a listen. I'm going to when we're done recording. We got um, two more episodes of that Sasquatch documentary, and I am celebrating. See, now I don't know what to do. Well, I guess I could do both. I could just stay up late. It's a short episode. Yeah, because I was like, I really want to listen to you, (laughs) but also I'm dying to watch the Sasquatch documentary. It's good so far. I've only seen the first episode, but I'm like, I'm done. I'm actually, I don't even want to record today. So 
Okay, great. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you guys so much. No. <laughs> we have to watch this doc. We'll we see you later. have to go. There's a documentary on Hulu. <laughs> Before we get into our stories today, we have some hello and welcomes for our new Patreons. Woo-hoo-hoo. Or patrons. We have a great Patreon. Like, it's beautiful. People tell it. me all the time. They say... Your Patreon's perfect. <laughs> I've never seen a better Patreon. Um, no, it's never great. Never in my life. It's an amazing Patreon. You can donate $1, $5, or $10 a month to our show, and it's not just a donation. You get fun stuff in return. $1 patrons get a shout-out on an episode of our show. $5 patrons get a shout-out, a monthly newsletter, a 10% discount on merch, and a 40-ish minute bonus episode with me and Joey. And $10 patrons get a shout-out, the newsletter, the bonus episode with Joey, a 20% discount on merch, and and a full-length bonus episode every month with me and Amy Hanselman, sometimes Lauren, sometimes random guests. <laughs> It's a blast. It's amazing. Go check it out. Um, We're also going to be having a contest on our Instagram soon where you can enter to win a free month. So follow us at Keep It Weirdcast if you want to get in on that sweet action. So excited about that. So huge hello, welcome, and thank you to Elisa Miller. Hey, Elisa. I've always liked that name a lot. Welcome. I like like that name. Lisa, but with a spice. Yes, Alisa. Okay, welcome. <laughs> uh, Layla Sharp. Love Layla Sharp. Layla just bought a pair of sweatpants. Yeah, I know that she because did. I just got an email that said they've been sent out. So congratulations! Girl, get ready Those to be in way. the comfiest pants. And also, I used to want to change my name to Layla when I was little. So thank really? you for living my dream, and I appreciate you. I did. I was a weirdo. I, that's a good. I mean, it's a great name. It is. Pretty sure it's a song somewhere. Mm-hmm. We also huge welcome and thank you to Lindsay, real mystery gal here, just one name like Madonna. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> and a huge just, thank like, you and welcome to Megan Miller, who is basically family. Uh, Keep It Weird's best friend, Andrew Miller, is her big brother. Thank you so much, oh, Megan. I'm obsessed with that. We Thanks, love you. Megan. She's so beautiful, too. I'm going to send you a picture of her later, and you're going to be like, whoa, oh whoa, 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 what? Like, how can one person be so stunning? I yeah. can't wait. This month's bonus episodes are really good. I know I already talked up uh, Joe and I's, but also Amy, Lauren, and I recorded one that I'm super excited to edit because we laughed a lot, and I know it's going to be did. fun. It was a really good time. Even mm. when sometimes the laughing may not have been appropriate, I was nope. still laughing as hard as I possibly could. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was very, very fun. I was happy to be involved. So today Love is it. a Helter Skelter episode. Helter Skelter is what we call our episodes full of scraps. The good old scraps. Yeah, we have stories that we want to tell that don't fit into anything we have coming up or stories that get cut for time that we want to share. And this is where we share them. And Lauren is starting us off today. Yes. I am talking about a lady named Joyce Carol Vincent. Have you heard of her? This name, when you texted it to me, it sounded so familiar. And I had to stop myself from Googling it because I was like, I think (laughs) I know this. And I was like, you know what? I don't even want a reminder. Oh, I know the when you sent me your topics for this episode, it took everything in my power not to Google because one of them is familiar and the other one I was like, what the heck is that? But I was like, Lauren, just wait. Just wait. Wait a couple days. But also there is a woman named Joyce Carol Oates as well. So people may know that name, but this is not I think I'm just thinking of John Carol Lynch. You know, that too. The triple names, everybody. Mm -hmm. 
Is she a serial killer? She's not, which is surprising because you guys, you know how I feel about serial killers and also the triple name. is. Yeah, they love their triple names. Go on. No, this is just a super bizarre story that I did not know was a thing until a couple of weeks ago, and I can't stop thinking about it. So Joyce Carol Vincent is a woman who was found dead in her apartment in January 2006, and she was believed to have been dead since December of 2003. So over two years, she had been dead in her apartment. This woman had turned into a complete skeleton laying on her couch. Her TV was still on. There was no sign of forced entry, no sign of struggle, just a skeleton of a 38-year-old woman. She was young, folks, in a completely locked apartment. No answers, no nothing, just had been dead and no one had come a looking or a knocking or a calling. How did this happen? How did no one look for her? Why do her neighbors totally suck? Like all the things. I just like, I read like the initial like tagline of her story and was like, no, what? This makes no sense. So Vincent lived above a shopping center in London in a housing trust flat, which is basically like low income housing is what we'd call it here in the States Mm -hmm. or like some kind of assisted payment type housing that the government helps you out with. So that was where she was living at the time. And this was in, yeah, like from 2003 to 2006. So she, her death had to be estimated due to her badly decomposed body. So they had to use dental records to identify her in the first place. And then judging by some clues left in the apartment with, you know, like expiration dates on food and some bills that had come in and letters she had received, they were able to say it had to have been in late 2003. They know she was alive in early November. And so they think it was probably December 2003. She was an asthma sufferer, so she could have had an asthma attack. And also in November, the reason they know she was alive, she was admitted to the hospital for an ulcer and stayed there for two days. And it also could have been complications from the ulcer. So a couple of options, but it seemed very natural. Again, like they really don't think foul play, but it's also so hard to tell when she's just like bones. Um. But, yeah, these have been suggested as possible causes of death, and her remains were described as mostly skeletal. According to the pathologist, she was laying on her back next to a shopping bag full of groceries, which made me sad. Like, maybe she had, like, just come home and sat down for a little bit. She was also surrounded by Christmas presents that she had wrapped Uh... but never delivered, which breaks my heart. And it is not known to whom the presents were addressed or going to, but she was just, like, surrounded by wrapped presents and her tv was still on which just like all of it feels so eerie and so sad and just all of it's bizarre so neighbors because first you're like hello did anyone like question smell (laughs) neighbors actually assumed that the flat was unoccupied because nobody ever came out of it and even though an odor obviously was starting to come forward from the decomposing body there were also like a ton of garbage bins nearby this wasn't like probably the most gorgeous area and there was a lot of waste bins nearby and so everybody just said oh the odor's coming from the garbage we need to have somebody like come empty that they just explained it away 
Also, the apartment's windows did not allow direct sight into the inside, so nobody ever had a chance to, you know, look in and see. It was a little bit raised off the ground. And also, the building was known for being pretty noisy. It was above a shopping center, and also everyone that lived there just, you know, was... There was just a lot of shuffling around, a lot of noise happening with the families. So nobody ever questioned the constant noise from the television that had been on for over two freaking years blasting through the room. She must not have paid for her own electricity then. She didn't because that was like my first question. I was like, why did like none of the utility companies like come forward about this? Also, one other thing, the room that Joyce was in in this building was sort of on its own at the end of the hall. She only had like one close neighbor nearby that like would have heard or smelled something and everybody else was kind of more down the hall so she just was not in a good position but yes then to answer your question half of her rent was being automatically paid to metropolitan housing trust by different benefits agencies leading officials to believe that she was still alive all this time because it was continuing to be paid but she did have to put in a little bit of her own rent and with over two years worth of unpaid rent on her end totaling about 2400 pounds That had accrued, housing officials did decide they had to repossess the property, and that's how she was discovered, because they bailiffs came and forced entry into the flat on January 25th, 2006, and that was when they found her with the television and the heat still running, and they said that was due to the debt forgiveness program that she was in. Most of her bills were being continually paid by these agencies, except for a few which, like, were just shut down or she was sent Letters and there was mail stacked up that had been slid under her door oh, and everything was, was rotting say, in the Usually fridge. in apartment complexes of any kind, the mail is in a public area. So right. it's like, didn't her mailbox fill up? Like, I know. But I and guess if it comes right to your question door. It. Yeah. I guess it was being slid under her door. Because, yeah, they said they came in and there was just like a pile of it in there. And it was obviously like, you know, some unpaid things and also like... I don't know, just random letters that were going unanswered. It's just, it's crazy, and I can't imagine walking into that. But, um, again, police had to rule death by natural causes. There was nothing to suggest foul play. The front door was double locked, no sign of a break-in, and uh, the only, like, slight lead they had was they heard at the time of her death she had a boyfriend, but there wasn't a lot known about him except for a name. The police were unable to locate him, and his identity seems to still be kept a secret today. You really can't find much on this guy at all. So it was just kind of this mysterious, weird guy she was believed to be dating, and now he's nowhere to be found. So mm. don't love that. But that was kind of the only lead they had as a person she was connected to, because she weirdly just disconnected from everyone in her life. Her sisters, she had four older sisters, they did hire a private detective at one point to look for her and contacted the Salvation Army, who she had been involved with, but everything went unsuccessful. Nobody could really give them any leads, and the family actually started writing her letters to the home they believed she was living in. They didn't even know she was in this low-income housing. They were writing to somewhere she had lived before, but the letters were going unanswered. Some of them were returned. And they believe that she simply had just cut ties with them because she already had put a good amount of distance between herself and the family. So they just sort of like took it. They just assumed and were like, I think she I think she just cut us out and we have to deal with it. So that is kind of like everything that happened around when she was found. And then I wanted to just like go briefly back and talk about her life to make this even weirder of a mystery. I like truly don't understand what happened, but. So Joyce was born in London in 1965. 
She had a father named Lawrence who was a carpenter and her mom was named Lyris and she was of Indian descent and just like this amazing mother. They were so, so close for all of her childhood. But sadly, following an operation, her mother died when Joyce was Mm -hmm. 11. And her four older sisters basically took full responsibility for her upbringing. She had a very strange relationship with her father saying, you know, he was emotionally distant. They did not get along at all. She basically... She gave the credit to her sisters for raising her and said her dad was not involved at all. And even as she got older, she claimed to people that her dad had died in 2001, which was not true. But it just showed how bad their relationship was, that she was lying to everyone she knew, saying, oh, yeah, my dad passed in 2001. Yeah, because it's easier than being like, my, me and my dad don't talk, and here's why, exactly. and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Which is just, yeah, it's so sad. But he actually died in 2004, not too long after she had quoted that he died, but the crazy thing is that she was already dead before him, but he had no idea. Like, no idea where she was and that she had actually preceded him in death. I know, which, for some reason, reading that line just, like, really broke my heart. Like, oh, he just, he had no idea that she actually died before him. And, yeah, so he passed in 2004 after her, um, and after all the lies, like, saying that he was dead. So back to her childhood a little bit. She left school at age 16 with no qualifications. She wanted to find her way in the city and just she was always one of those girls that said, I'm just going to figure it out. I don't need school. I can make my own way. I just want to be a city girl and find work. I don't need school. No one does. And honestly, (laughs) you did great. Screw school, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think we're supposed school to be sucks. preaching stay in school, nah. you know, if we're but if we're trying to be role models, but screw it, don't stay in school. So in 1985, Vincent began working as a secretary in the city of London, you know, a job she was able to get when she was a little older, and she worked there for a while. I forget exactly, for some reason I didn't write down where she was, but she was she started as a secretary, bounced around to a few different spots. And then she eventually landed a job at Ernst and Young, which is like a huge international company. They do, you know, consulting and professional services for different companies. They their headquarters are in London, England. So this was a big deal that she got a job with them, especially with no schooling. She was with them for four years in the Treasury Department and was actually well respected there, really worked hard, worked her way up. She was given a lot of responsibility, you know, was never shady. Like everyone loved her. She really hustled to get where she was supposed to be. But out of nowhere, in March 2001, she just told everyone she was leaving, put in her two weeks and said, I'm getting out of here. She told a couple of different stories to her coworkers. Um, she One of the rumors was she was going to travel for an extended period of time with like 20 people and basically just live this bohemian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But she also claimed to other people, probably more her superiors, that she had been headhunted and was moving on to new work and onward and upward. But shortly thereafter, it was found out by some friends that she was actually spending her time in a domestic abuse shelter. And she was working as a cleaner in a budget hotel for a lot less money. But she was really just trying to stay under the radar. She This is when she became estranged from her family and most of her friends. And it is believed that the relationship that she was also very secretive about had ended horribly with some domestic abuse. Everyone knew the guy she was with was toxic, but they didn't know how toxic. And then when she started staying at the shelter, speculation was that she was probably ashamed to be a victim of abuse, which is why it was not, you know, general knowledge, or she was trying not to be found by her abuser, which makes sense. So she was being very secretive, but 
obviously a few people knew her whereabouts, but she was keeping this all under wraps, running from someone or something. And then eventually she was moved into that flat that we were talking about in the low income housing, which was a typical place that victims of abuse would be put because it seemed like they would be safe. There was, they would be secure and it was nearby to the shelter. And just like, I think there were programs for the women to work with. So that is why she got housed there in above that shopping center in February of 2003. So back to when she died, the story made the papers and the shock of it all, you know, originally like kind of rocked the city and everyone thought, I can't believe this woman was dead for two years and no one came after her. But then, of course, as all things do, the interest just died out after a few weeks, maybe a month. And nobody was talking about it anymore, which is very sad because no one was even trying to solve this mystery or look into her past. But thank goodness a couple of reporters and even a filmmaker did not want to give up on Joyce's story and started doing some interviews and trying to dig up former friends and lovers and family. And they have now given us, the public, a little bit more of a look at her life. We still don't know a ton of kind of what the downfall was, sadly. But the crazy thing is that basically everyone who came forward to talk about Joyce said the way that she was found and where she was living and just everything that happened in what seems to be her last two years of life did not match up in who she was in the 80s and 90s and like how they all knew her. She was known to be bubbly, beautiful, intelligent, hardworking, but at the same time, none of these people kept in touch with her or followed up because as they say in like these interviews, they say, you know, she seemed so confident. We just assumed she, you know, moved on to something else. She was moving onward and upward. She was, she got a new job. She didn't need us anymore. So nobody reached out to her, even though, These were the times when technology was on the rise. You know, everyone has computers. Everybody's messaging and emailing. People didn't have Facebook. It's true. I feel like social media is a really big flag for stuff like that. Like if she's also not posting on her social media and she was a poster all the time, then you'd notice. That is very true. Uh, Only one female friend of Joyce's was tracked down and willing to come forward and chat. Her name is Catherine Clark, and she told reporters that she honestly probably was the only female friend of Joyce's because she was known to mostly keep the company of men, and usually the men that she interacted with were the worst. Yeah. Just possessive, aggressive, just all over her all the time, controlling, horrible. And even when Catherine found out that she had been at an abuse shelter and then put into this housing, she actually was one of the only ones to say, I'm not surprised. Because I met Joyce living in the same apartment complex in the 80s. We became really good friends, but she was always hanging around these terrible men who I would hear verbally abusing her. I never actually witnessed abuse, but I assumed it was happening because of the way they were talking to her and being controlling. She said she was always worried about what went on behind closed doors. And it sounds like most of the dummy gross men who were tracked down wanted to remain anonymous to the surprise of no one. But... Some of the former lovers of Joyce who did come forward and spoke to reporters and filmmakers actually seemed to be okay. She had some gems amongst the trash, you guys. But the one weird common theme was that Joyce would never talk about her past to anyone. Like every friend, every lover, every colleague that came forward said, I had no idea about her family I had no idea about her schooling. I knew nothing of her romantic past or any relationship past. She was just this very secretive, closed 
book. She just had like that whole area of her life closed off and she was striving to be, you know, something completely different, something else, putting on airs to be the person she wanted to be, but would not talk about where she came from. So yeah, it just, I mean, in that way, it's sort of like, okay, maybe that was just, you know, the whole reason for her downfall is she couldn't ever open up and talk to anyone. She felt like she had to be locked away and living this kind of secret life and maybe didn't feel like she could open up and talk to anybody. I don't know. Well, to me, it seems more so that she, her private life was who she really was and her public life was where she was putting on a show, a a facade. Yeah. I agree. I think it just makes me sad. Like, it almost feels like she finally succumbed to the demons that she had. And I appreciate that she went to, you know, the domestic abuse shelter because it seemed like she was trying to finally find help and find people who could relate to her. And hopefully she got into some sort of therapy program while she was living in there. How long before she was, you know, she may have died did she go to this shelter? She... Well, she went to the shelter in 2001, shortly after she, like, up and quit her job, but then didn't move into the housing until early 2003. So she lived in that apartment for about a year before she died, it is believed. Yeah, because usually for domestic abuse cases for women who are in uh, dangerous living situations, the most dangerous time is when you go, when you leave. Right, exactly. So They're going to come after you. Yeah. So that's what I assume. I assume, yeah, like when people were talking about the different speculations of why she lost contact with basically everyone in her life, it's like, I do think she was hiding from the abuser. She was terrified for her life. But it's just sad that that also meant cutting off contact with everyone around her because truly no one knew what she was doing. And the assumption was just that, oh, I bet she's doing something cool because she was always so cool. And that's just what everyone said. Mm -hmm. And. It's just, yeah, it's sad. I also, like, this private detective bullshit. That private detective could have easily found out where she was receiving mail. 100%. So I don't really understand... Why that guy was hired and why he was like, maybe he was just a scam, you know, but... He could have been. That's I could do that if you gave me 20 bucks. Right. You could find out that she was in special housing or had been at the shelter, and it was like, they just said, oh, yeah, we, you know... Nothing turned up. We didn't find anything. Right. Which part of that, what if it's the sisters saying that, you know, we don't know for sure. Yeah, true. Maybe they didn't hire a private detective and they said they did to make it sound like they cared. It's really hard to say because that there was such a rift in that family relationship. There's still so many questions in the air, but I just thought this story was so fascinating because... When you do hear stories of a dead body being left for a decent amount of time, it's never like two years, but even for long amounts of time, it sadly is older people for the most part. Yeah, drug addicts. Yes, or drug addicts. You hear those stories, they seem more common, but for a 38-year-old woman who had her whole life ahead of her and who had been known as this ambitious woman trying to make her way in London, just like such a city girl... This just seemed so, just so bizarre to me. I had to, I had to look into it a little more, but there's really not the resolution that I was hoping for. I was hoping to get more answers, but yeah, it just, it just is depressing and sad. And yeah, that's her story. Yeah, no, she was just a lovely lady with a bad ending. 
Well, I'll skip my uh, sad story. I'll uh, try and cheer us up a little bit before I go into... I mean, it's still like it's sad because it's a disappearance, but it's not sad. Sad as my Not as sad (laughs) as the other one. Not as sad as this one that you just told or the other one. I'm I'm sorry. It's awful. It's fine. Um, I actually wanted to talk about a case I've always loved called the Valentish Disappearance. Okay, okay. This is the case of an Australian pilot named Frederick Valentish in 1978. Okay. Now I'm going to play a few clips during this story. I found a recreation of a transcript, so I'll add some of that in here, but please note it is a recreation. There's no actual recording that's been released to the public. But the air traffic control operator, Steve Roby, helped to recreate the conversation they had. So it's as close to the original as you can get. All right. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about the event and then we'll get into who he is, theories, etc. So it was October 21st, 1978. Uh, It was a clear night with very little wind. The ocean was very calm. And Frederick Valentish was taking a flight that he had taken before over the Bass Strait. And at about 7.06 p.m., Valentish radioed Melbourne air traffic control to report an unidentified aircraft following him at 4,500 feet. He spoke with air traffic control operator Steve Roby, who was working a 5 to midnight shift, and Steve told him there was no known traffic at that level. Melbourne, this is Delta Sierra Juliet. Is there any known traffic below 5,000 feet? And Valentish said he could see a large unknown aircraft, which appeared to be illuminated by four bright landing lights. What type of aircraft is it? I cannot confirm. It's four bright, seems to me like landing lights. And he couldn't confirm the aircraft type, but he continued to report that it had passed about a thousand feet overhead and was moving at high speed. Oh, gosh. Then he reported that the craft was approaching him from the east and said the other pilot might be purposefully toying with him. He was like, this guy, this guy must be fucking with me. Like, I don't know what he's doing. Seems to be playing some sort of game. He's flying over me. And um, he said that the aircraft was orbiting above him and had a shiny metal surface with a green light on it. Elder Sierra Juliet, it's not an aircraft. It's... Can you describe the, uh, the aircraft? As it's flying past, it's a long shape. I cannot identify it. It has such speed. It's before me right now, Melvin. How large would the, um, the object be? Seems like it's stationary. What it's doing right now is orbiting. The thing is just orbiting on top of me. It's also got a green light and a sort of metallic-like. It's shiny on the outside. It's just vanished. He then reported to Steve that he had begun to experience engine problems. Uh-oh. And Steve asked him once again to identify the aircraft. And his last words were, it's not an aircraft. <gasps> is the aircraft still with you? Say again. Is the aircraft still with you? Now approaching from the southwest. What are your intentions? My intentions are to go to King Island, Melbourne. 
That was it, and then it like cut off. His transmission was interrupted by this by about seventeen seconds of this unidentified noise that I'm gonna play for you, described as being metallic scraping sounds before all contact was lost and he and his plane were never seen again. Oh my god. So let me get the sound here for you so you can hear it. Yes, I need to hear this. What is that? That's one of the most eerie sounds I've ever heard. No one knows. It, did that come right after he said it's not an aircraft? Yeah. Oh, my lanta. Said, that is insane. It's not an aircraft. They recorded that sound, and then that was it. He was gone. Holy buckets. That's creepy ass. It's so creepy. They searched over a 1,000 square miles over the next week before um, giving up because they just couldn't find it. It's the ocean. So, yeah, <laughs> that's difficult. The investigation was unable to determine the cause, but it was presumed fatal for uh, Valentish. Five years after his aircraft went missing, an engine cowl flap was found washed ashore on Flinders Island. The part was identified as having come from a Cessna 182 aircraft between a certain range of serial numbers, which included Valentish's aircraft, but that's as close as they can tell you. Like, they can't say, like, yep, oh, this man. is it. They're just like, it could, I don't know, it could be. Right. You just can't. So Gosh. some proposed explanations. One is that he staged his own disappearance. Now, this is a 20-year-old, just FYI. This is a 20-year-old guy. He's 20? He's 20 years old. Okay. He was born in 1958. Such a baby. But the reason they believe this is that apparently a little under a year after his disappearance, someone came forward and said that Valentish was a flying saucer enthusiast. Although oh. there's really no hard evidence to support this claim. Like he didn't own books on ufology or anything like that. There were no official reports he had made of UFOs before this event, like on his record. Yeah. I think if he was an enthusiast, there'd be something. Yeah. And and like enthusiast how? Like how I'm an enthusiast? I love UFOs, right. but I'm also not like outside being like, that's a UFO, that's a UFO, that's a UFO. Right. That's very true. Like, what constitutes an enthusiast? Yeah. He didn't at any point say UFO or alien craft or anything during his last conversation ever. So I feel like if he was faking it, he wouldn't have just said, like, I don't think it's an aircraft. Right. He would have said, like, it's a flying saucer. You know, like, he would have said yeah, he, something. I would think. Yeah. He he would have thrown some alien into the conversation, I would think, if it's like, if you're going to fake it, you're going to go out swinging yeah. in the way that you'd want to. So. Yeah. So, I don't know. Apparently, also, Melbourne police received reports of a light aircraft making a mysterious landing not far from Cape Ottawa at the same time as Valentish's disappearance. And by light aircraft, I mean like a, a one-man plane. So, people think maybe he just faked that and landed and then, like, hid the plane. I don't know. Here's the thing. If it was staged, huh. it's the perfect crime. Because he obviously got away with it. He's still listed Seriously. as a missing person today. Yeah. Very much Also incredible. Good job, if that's the case. I know. You're talented at staging disappearances. Well done, sir. 
Another theory is that Valentish became disoriented and was flying upside down and saw the reflection of his own plane in the water above him. <sighs> okay, so I... What? Yeah, which apparently ha- has happened to pilots before. I looked this up. Okay. It has happened. but I, I'm, It's a thing. I'm of two minds of this. Okay. Because, and this is, I knew about this case for a long time. This is something that I learned while researching this, and I found that it's a little disappointing for me, but also very interesting and I think important. Okay. He was not a great pilot. Oh. Was not good at his job? He wasn't qualified. He had 150 hours total flying time and held a class four rating, which authorized him up to flying at night, but only in perfect re- weather conditions. Um, that's oh. about as far as he made it in his training. Um, but also, he had really poor achievement records in the Air Training Corps. He has had twice failed all five commercial license examinations. Damn. And as recently as the month before his disappearance, had failed three more commercial license subjects. So, okay, he wasn't good <laughs> at flying. No! Not at all. That is, that's pretty sad to learn. Yeah. That he. You want to root for this guy. Exactly. But, um, so for the flying upside down thing, the model Cessna he was piloting could not have flown inverted for as long as he was communicating with air traffic control because it had a gravity feed fuel system. So the engine would have cut out very quickly. So the flying upside down theory doesn't work because he was talking yeah, to air traffic control for, for several minutes. Right. And the plane just physically would not have stayed in the air for that long. Yeah, that just doesn't add up. So that doesn't work. Um, Some people say he purposefully killed himself, but interviews with doctors, family, colleagues, friends virtually eliminated this possibility. Everyone just said, like, there's there's just no way. Yeah. There are the usual UFO denier explanations like, oh, well, he saw Mars or gas pockets. He got confused. He didn't know. I, I just feel like, listen... He he knew it was a craft. Like he knew he he wasn't right. like uh, he didn't see Mars. No one's ever seen oh. Mars and reported a football stadium sized craft flying over their town. Like you no, cannot not convince me that someone ha- can report that and then go like it was probably Mars. Like I don't care. I don't care who you he are. He was just seeing Mars in the sky. <laughs> that is a lie. That is a cover up. That is I can't. that doesn't add up to anything he was describing. <laughs> This is kind of interesting. There were photos taken by a plumber named Roy Manifold on the day of Valentish's disappearance that showed a fast-moving object supposedly exiting the water near Cape Otway Lighthouse. He said he saw a craft under the water. He got his camera. He thought it was like a submarine. He got his camera and managed to snap a photo of it as it emerged from the water and flew and zipped away. And the photo is sort of like those old school UFO photos where like there is something in the picture, but like I don't know what it is. I don't know if he like threw a plate or like threw something. It was like there. that's the object. But he reported this event and said like, well, I got a picture of something that was weird. And it happened to be the same day that this kid disappeared. So that's interesting. But yeah, that's very weird. And it, that's also, you know, that's a huge new theory I'm all about due to the amount of like UFO sightings over our ocean and on our coasts and, and the amount of people that say they saw something shoot out of the ocean or shoot into the ocean that they're right. actually going into our ocean waters for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but honestly, if this guy had been an expert pilot, the story would be a lot more compelling, obviously. Yes. If he had had thousands of hours of flying under his belt, he was a decorated Air Force pilot or something. But he was kind of a dope who wasn't good at flying. Yeah. <laughs> he was a 20-year-old kid who dummy. failed his classes. Oh, gosh. The radio log is definitely interesting. Steve Roby, who was the last person to speak to him, completely believes that Valentish was telling the truth, that it was not a hoax and it was not uh, a suicide. But uh-huh. whether he got confused and crashed, that maybe. But he, he does not believe it was a setup. Okay. George Simpson, who granted is a UFO researcher, but he still investigated this case pretty thoroughly. He said the investigation by law enforcement was totally unfair. The Department of Transportation were caught by surprise by how rapidly this case escalated in the press and people wanted answers, so much so that the investigation became rushed and people, his family and friends included, believe that coroners were definitely cut on closing this case and just like calling it. Yeah. And, like, I know they can't search forever, but they search for literally three days. Like, the search for him ended on October 25th. It seems like not a lot of time. No, you guys did not put that much work into that search. No. Two months after his vanishing, a plane carrying a journalist and a film crew recorded mysterious fast-moving lights over the coast of New Zealand. In fact, that area has a lot of uh, reports of UFO activity. But we will never know what happened to this kid. Ugh, what a what a weird mystery. No. I I feel like every theory that you named, like there were, usually I can pick out like one thing that I'm like, this is what I latch on to. But honestly, a few of the things you said, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. it could have been, it could have been so many things, but it's frustrating that we'll never know. Yeah, and uh, you know, if it was suicide, well, one, if it was suicide, I don't know if he would have called it in. I think he would have just went and killed yeah. himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he sure. would have called in a hoax and then killed him. I don't know. It's hard to right. say. Right. Like, what would be the point of that unless he thought, like, oh, I'm going to commit suicide, but I want to go out with a bang and have people talking about me But that doesn't make sense either because but... how can you, like, ensure that your plane won't be found? True. Yeah. Your plane and your body won't be found and then the hoax doesn't get pulled up. There's just too much that I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, that doesn't make sense. Right. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> But so many things would have to happen for the theory to be like, oh, yes, this is it. I'm waiting for a fucking close encounters of the third kind thing to happen where like one day all these planes like the Malaysia flight planes and this guy's plane, they're all just like show up in the Mojave Desert. And it's like, what? Oh, my gosh. I hope that happens. I'm praying for that. (laughs) I want some sort of resolution. I really it's so funny because we do a lot of Unsolved Mysteries episodes. And then also we just throw mysteries into episodes like this Mm -hmm. and. I mean, we did them in our Holly Weird episode, but I hate them. Like, yeah. we do them so often, but they They're make rough. me so angry. I need answers. What happened to Joyce? What happened to Valentich? <laughs> Valentich. Valentich. Yeah, some people say Valentich, but it's Valentich. I was trying to be fancy, but it's fine. Yeah. Like, what happened? Yeah. Uh, I actually really like Unsolved yeah. Mysteries because I like thinking about, I like the mystery part of it. I like that sort of feeling of you know wonderment is that a thing sure but you better believe like when i die 
and I'm greeted. You want and they're like, the what do you want to know about life? I'm going to be like, all right, I have a list, actually. Hold on. And I'm going to like reach into my <laughs> ghost pocket, and I'm going to be like, okay. You're going to have a handy day. JonBenet Ramsey, the brother, for sure. Um, <laughs> Frederick Villantish. No, you're kidding. Okay. Uh, Elisa Lamb. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> they're going to be like, you really, like, seriously, another fucking true crime fanatic? I bet I they know. get it a lot. Like, we're they're sick of you. Like, Don't you want to know about, like, life and the meaning? I'll be like, we'll get to that, all right? This is day no, one stuff. we'll get to that later. I have questions. I want to know about, uh, oh, what was that one mystery? I did it. I should remember the name. Oh, Talam should. And we said, should Talam I stay should, or should yeah. I go now? Uh-huh. Yes. That. Yeah. I want all the answers. Yeah, I want to know about that, too. <laughs> also, Diet Love Pass. Okay. Yes. yes all the things. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what gave birth to the stories we tell around the campfire? What happened in our history that caused spooky tales of creatures such as werewolves and ladies in white to be passed down from generation to generation? Why are we all still so fascinated with the macabre? Join me, Paige Wollstonehume, as I jump down the rabbit hole of a new subject each week and attempt to stitch together the history of all things strange and spooky. My next story is a lot less depressing, I promise you. It's more just like, what? And uh, it's also a little shorter. I know I like really dove in with Joyce because I wish that I was her friend and could solve all of her problems. But anyway, okay. Just about 20 years ago, archaeologists in Siberia started to make big discoveries of tombs and fossils. Buried in the Republic of Tuva, which is in southern Siberia, were the remains of 3,000-year-old Scythian warriors with their horses. This was an amazing discovery on its own. But now... Russian Defense Minister Sergei, or would you say Sergei? Sergei. Sergei. Okay. So I'm hoping people will give me a pass. I'm doing my best. Sergei, maybe, Sergei Soju, has now announced plans to clone the Scythian warriors who were found. I just feel like <laughs> we shouldn't. I feel like Is we it, should here's not. The thing. We it shouldn't sounds, do that. It sounds real dangerous. I'm not here for it. So Shoigu, a Tuva native, revealed these intentions during last week's online session of the Russian Geographical Society. This was just last week, you guys, on April 14th. Oh, my God. Shoigu leads this organization and is one of the strongest allies of our favorite guy, Vladimir Putin. Oh, okay. Who also attended this meeting remotely. They were on a Zoom call, y'all, having this little meeting. This is some, like... Hitler werewolf army shit. Amen, Ashley. I read this and was like, this is just, like, every line is getting worse. At some point, you get a certain (laughs) amount of power and you, it, like, eats your brain. Yes. You don't know what you're saying. (laughs) You are having really rough ideas. And you're like, you know what? This sounds like a good idea. I'm going to put money towards this. Yes. (sighs) This is what we should be using the country's money for. So the defense minister spoke of the potential of the extraordinary 3,000-year-old Scythian burials and kept referring to the DNA that has now been preserved in Siberian permafrost. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, permafrost is a thick layer of soil that remains frozen consistently throughout the year. 
It's common in frigid areas, Mm. if you could guess, like Siberia. So Shoigo, the defense minister, had ordered a shaman to be present at the excavations when they went in to exhume the bodies um, because he did not want to order the spirits. He wanted the ground to be blessed. He wanted, you know, the spiritual healing because the spirits needed to be happy and appeased so that they could build an army of the dead with these fossils. Yep, this is all real. It sounds... It sounds out of a movie. It sounds Yeah, it sounds like something out of Indiana Jones. 100%. But this was all said at the Zoom meeting. In this meeting, again, he said, quote, Of course, we would like to very much find the organic matter, and I believe you understand what would follow that when we do. It would be possible to make something out of it, just like Dolly the sheep. And in general, it will be very interesting. So again, for anyone who doesn't know, quick side note, Dolly the sheep, named after Dolly Parton, was the first adult mammal cloned from an adult somatic cell in Scotland back in 1996. She was a sheep made out of just DNA, everybody. She was the first clone, and she lived for six and a half years and was only the beginning for animal cloning. Now they've done a bunch of different, mostly like farm animals, but she paved the way. So that is what he's referring to. But nobody had heard Dolly the Sheep mentioned in so long that most articles I could find on this, that was the most jarring part was everyone was like, this guy's bringing up Dolly the Sheep. And does he really think we can do the same thing with these bones? Have they really been that well preserved? It was just it was such a shocking statement for this man to say this while talking about this excavation that they thought was all just going to be for history purposes. So This was a formal meeting, and Shoigu's words were rather clear about what he wanted to do, but some political analysts say his announcement may serve a political purpose, because Russia recently deployed about 100,000 soldiers to the Ukrainian border, which Mm -hmm. has angered many people, and it is now believed that it could be a distraction. Let's talk about clones and building an army from some fossils to distract the world from talking about our soldiers being sent to the border. So that is a decent theory. I could totally believe that. And honestly, I mean, I'm scared to say too much out loud. I feel like everyone's always listening. But like, I would not put that past Russia. That sounds on brand. So that could definitely be a theory. But regardless... The area that things were unearthed from was called the Valley of the Kings. These remains are indeed real and are very cool. The excavations here actually began back in 1998 with a team of Russian and German archaeologists beginning to unearth tombs from a different area of the valley. And then in 2008, this is when Shoigu launched his own digs headed up by Russian and Swiss experts this time. And that's when he brought the shaman in. And for the last three years, they have been going seasonally to do more digs. He wanted to be sure he had the shaman to make sure the exhuming was done right this time around and that these people could possibly be brought back. And the people that they have been discovering, for any of you history lovers out there, the Scythians were nomadic warriors of Iranian descent, and they held power in the area known as the Eurasian Steppe, S-T-E-P-P-E, from China's northern borders to the Black Sea between the 7th and 3rd century B.C., They were both men and women, which I think is pretty rad, and they mostly fought on horseback, shooting enemies with bow and arrow. They were known as very aggressive warriors and were always down for a battle and ready to rock. 
they were nobody ever wanted to fuck with these people and the women and men were all found in the same outfits which for some reason i loved that as well that like they weren't like put the women in a skirt like they all got to just be in their badass warrior clothes and they all were always ready to fight and they were very good on horses it was very known that like these people knew what they were doing they could control a horse they had great speed they you know always great aim with their bow and arrow these people seemed really really cool but also it's terrifying to think that these people might be cloned and put into the modern army because i don't think we will do well yeah with these people <laughs> hanging out in the world no kidding I just don't see I don't see it as you were describing them I was thinking of the like relationship that oh god what was that movie Mm, Avatar that they have with their horse where they like plug their braid in the braid has to be locked in so they can connect I I hate that movie but that's what I thought of. I was like, they have a it's connection fair. with their horses. And like, they, what if they try and clone this? What if they actually try and do it and they accidentally got some DNA from one of the soldiers and one of the horses and they create a fucking monster? Oh my God. That's true. Like, it'll be part yeah. human, part like, horse. Like, what was that um, Kevin Smith movie, Tusk? Like, Tusk. Oh, no. I won't watch Ooh, it. That movie disturbs me to it. my core. It's so I've seen, gross. I've seen oh, photos don't ever. and I'm like, oh, no. Ooh, that's kind of what I'm imagining. Right? Like, it wouldn't be Mr. Tumnus, no. like half animal, no, half it man. It would just be this like horrifying. deformed, horrible creature. Oof, but honestly, that's probably what would happen because nobody knows what they're actually doing with this DNA. That's what's, I just can't. I think that maybe the first thing you said is probably the most accurate. They're just putting some wild and crazy shit out there as they do other things to distract people from what they're doing. That's really bad. From what they're actually doing. Yes. Which, I mean, a lot of politicians do. It's like, I mean, Russia especially, but we do that we, shit here. Our all last time. president did a whole all lot of All of our too. presidents do that shit. It's insane. Yeah, it's true. They all do. The most interesting find, apparently, to most archaeologists was the remains of horse sacrifices. Horse being sacrifices? Found. Horse okay. sacrifices. Which I was sort of like, what? Because Scythian warriors were commonly buried with their horses. That wasn't weird to find both human and horse remains. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise. But the evidence that the warriors likely sacrificed them was also there because of some of the tools and harnesses found nearby and the way that the remains of the horses were kind of spread out. They Historians were able to discover that a sacrifice most likely had been made. And it is also possible evidence of human sacrifice as well. So there is a lot more digging into it that needs to be done. But aside from the cloning, I just wanted to say that if anybody is like excited about history and knows about these warriors that I'm talking about, this was a big deal to be found out and kind of a breakthrough of like, oh, they were doing this stuff? We didn't know that. Um, Okay, then to move back to what's in the news today. So the third season of the Russian Geographical Society's expedition, which ended in October 2020, yielded these new exciting discoveries of the remains. And although we are all excited about the fossilized bones on its own, with the oldest remains dating back to the 9th century BC, which is wild, the institution has clearly expressed its goal of finding organic matter perfectly preserved in the permafrost for cloning. Again, we can call it a distraction, but they were very clear in this meeting that this is what is coming next. Mm. This is the news story. As cool as the bones are, 
I want to talk about the cloning. That was very clear from this defense minister. He said, we have conducted several expeditions there already. It is a big international expedition. We have learned a lot. We have confirmed a lot, but a lot of work still remains to be done. Meaning we got to start testing this DNA and see what we can do. So ultimately, it's unclear. We don't know. Is it a political move? Is it real? But the fact that it was stated in this meeting and then like broadcast out to the to everybody i mean is kind of a big deal like yes it could be a distraction but i don't know just to be so bold and say like we have something here with this dna and we're going to work on it feels crazy to me i don't know it's weird yeah. we'll see what happens i would be more worried if china made that announcement honestly same i think china that could is actually very do it. valid china <laughs> could actually do it and would actually do it. I don't know. Yeah, that is very true. I guess certain countries you would believe a bit more than Russia. But that's terrifying. So it's just terrifying to think of these Scythian people coming back. They sound real scary. I've seen films. I'm not ready. You know what I mean? I've seen the mummy. I know what happens when he comes (laughs) back. Like I've seen Ghostbusters 2. When Vigo comes out of the paint. Like I've seen it. It's never it's happened. Well, oh, you know what? It has happened. Kate and Leopold was great. If that's what's going to happen oh, and someone's going to fall in love Leopold. with this old Scythian warrior, like I know they're cloned, which means they're going to be babies and they're going to grow up and maybe they won't have the memories. But like, I like to think that they know who they are. I agree. Wouldn't that be nice if we got a romance story out of it? Like a modern day woman meets one of the yeah. Scythian warriors. They fall in love. They ride off on a horse together. Mm-hmm. They stick their braids into the harness. It's going to be great. They stick their braids in. They plug in their <laughs> braids. And they go for a ride. Can't wait. All right. Well, see that rom-com. can't wait to bring this party down. Um... <laughs> oh, gosh. We both had to bring depressing so things. So sorry. This story. It's okay. This story only has a few jaw-dropping moments. Oh, gosh. Okay. So this is a story of the Tri-State Crematory in Noble, Georgia. All right. The Tri-State Crematory was founded by Tommy Marsh in the mid-70s. Marsh was, he was a respected businessman. He once ran for coroner of Walker County, and he lost by fewer than 100 votes. I would call for a recount, buddy. Oof. Yeah, absolutely. He ran other businesses that offered things like tent rentals and vault construction, The crematorium was in Noble, as I said, which was north of Lafayette, and it made cremation an option for people in communities where it had previously been difficult to obtain. So it was a real blessing to the community to have this crematory. Okay. Tommy Marsh, the founder, his health deteriorated pretty rapidly in the mid-90s, and in 1996, his son Ray Brent Marsh took over operations of the business. So starting in about 2000, weird calls started coming in about the crematory. In October of 2000, a gas man arrived to provide service for the property and saw that bodies were scattered around the building. What? Bodies were just hanging out? Bodies. Human bodies just scattered about. No. The Walker County Sheriff's Department was contacted and they reported basically they did not find this an issue that they needed to deal with at the time, so it was ignored. I think they figured some guy showed up, saw some bodies being loaded and was like, there's bodies everywhere. And they're like, yeah, it's a crematory. Like, chill out. Cops did not even investigate. What? ACAB, Lauren. I don't know how many (sighs) times I could say it. 
I cannot. Then, a year later, in November of 2001, the Environmental Protection Agency in Atlanta received a tip from an unknown source informing them that there were body parts in the woods around Tri-State Crematory. The Walker County Sheriff's Office was informed again of the ongoing issues with the facility. They supposedly conducted a routine check where they found nothing was amiss. They said they went, they checked it out, there's no problem. I stop calling us about the crematory. Did you really check it out? Mm -hmm. I don't believe it. Not even three months later, in January of 2002, the EPA was called again from a community member who said that when they were walking their dog, they uncovered a human bone on the property surrounding the Tri-State Crematory. Then (laughs) the EPA found out that a truck driver who delivered propane to Tri-State had called the police twice to report bodies being scattered around. And again, the police report said they reportedly conducted a routine checkup and found nothing. And at this point, it's like, okay, can we get maybe someone else to go yes, check this out? Please. Is there anyone else that can fucking go and take a I look? I need to talk to the manager. I don't yes. believe. I'm going to Karen this I'm turning shit. into Give a complete Karen, and I would like yes. to speak to a manager. I do not trust the job the others are doing. Well, that's pretty much what happened. EPA agents accompanied police officers on February 15th, 2002 to investigate the facility. And what they found was legitimately just horror. Mm. They found 339 uncremated bodies with many of the corpses in advanced stages of decomposition. Wait, how many did you say? 339. No, you didn't. Yep. What? 339 bodies. Oh, my God. Coffins were just, like, thrown in the corners of rooms, just sort of, like, haphazardly stacked up with bodies in them, and the bodies' fluids were leaking out of the coffins and onto the floor. Oh. Some bodies were still in the clothes that they wore to their funeral. Other bodies were in hospital gowns, and some bodies were nude. Oh, There was one body lying halfway inside the crematory oven. And half out. There was another laying inside an open coffin and another draped across a wooden crate with the skeleton of a baby at its feet. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. This just keeps getting worse. What the actual fuck? How was this place open and functioning? How did nobody go in to investigate this sooner? Yeah, they were still working, still cremating. Police were at a loss for words, but also fuck those police. They had years of reports and did literally nothing. So I don't care how much of a loss for words they were at. It was revealed in the investigation that the families of these bodies were sent cement dust instead of their loved ones' remains. Which is a real kick in the pants. I can't. I would be fucking furious. Livid. And to add insult to injury, of which there is plenty, only 226 of the bodies were identified using DNA testing. So at least 100 of the victims have not been identified. And they're at too advanced stage of decomp to To be able to be like, that's Steve. So, oh my God. Yeah. And so, like, the DNA testing didn't pan out for these bodies. So, like, the only way to tell it's a crematory. So it's not like, well, we can dig up no like there's no No. way to tell i mean i guess you could go get your remains tested to see if it's cremated remains or cement dust because then you would at least know i got a body here or i don't right but other than that they don't have an option to figure out who they are 
I don't understand what the goal of these people was. They were just too lazy to actually go through with the cremations. It they said, let's lie to everyone. Sad. Oh, gosh. Ashley. Obviously, Ray Marsh was arrested and charged. He was arrested. He Good. ended up being charged with 787 criminal accounts, including theft by deception, abusing a corpse, fraud relating to the burial service he had promised, and also fraud pertaining to uh, his false statements. He pled guilty. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison. So, yes, this does mean he is out. He got out in 2016. 12 years? Only 12 years. For over 700 criminal charges? Yeah. Oh, cool. The Marsh family has faced numerous civil litigation suits as well that have resulted in them paying out millions of dollars to families of the victims. Of course, I would sue the shit out of them. Yep. So this is another jaw-dropping moment in the story, and this is what makes it even more sad. So it was a legit horror, right? They sent him to jail. Bye-bye. Get out of here. Fuck you. You're trash. You're disgusting. But it wasn't until his civil lawsuits that people, obviously the families, started asking, like, why? Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Like, what is the reason? And Ray said that while he knew the families wanted answers, he couldn't give them a reason why, which sounds like a total asshole move. But then people started getting really interested in his responses. Like he initially told law enforcement the oven wasn't working properly, but that was found out to be untrue because a majority of the 2,000, over 2,000 corpses that have been sent to the tri-state crematory over the years were properly disposed of and the ashes were sent to the families. Even at this time, like they were still operating. And there was no rhyme or reason to like which bodies they did and which bodies they fucking left laying around. Seems like just a complete random mess. Yeah. So they theorized that Ray Marsh was just being like a lazy bone. So rather than dispose of the bodies properly, he would just wheel them off to another room and dump them. But that seemed highly improbable to experts in the field because having a corpse to deal with is literally dead weight. Like placing it from a wheeled cart into an oven would be so much simpler than to wheel them to a place to dump them or drag them around the property. Not to mention having to accommodate having less space, the smell, covering it up. Like it just seemed that's way and there's no money involved. You're not getting money for anything like there's no. So it was like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Are these just sick sick people that's what it sounds like well five years after his arrest ray marsh's lawyers were like hey man why don't you get some psychological and physiological tests done because that's a fucked up thing to do and you don't seem to have a reason to do it so they got him tested and found out that he had actually had mercury poisoning (gasps) whoa which we learned um, from Leah during our Ask a Mortician bonus Patreon episode when cremating uh-huh. bodies that have like fillings or certain other bodily additions, the process releases mercury into the air. Oh my gosh. This isn't a problem if you have good ventilation, but it right. turns out they investigated the ventilation system at the tri state crematory was found to be dysfunctional which would go on to expose both Ray and his father to toxic mercury vapors, effectively giving them something called Mad Hatter's disease. No way. The fuck? So their brains were actually poisoned this whole time. Literally, they didn't know they were doing this. They had no idea that they were just tossing bodies to the side? Mm Mm-mm. 
No. It's a way, Ashley. neurological disorder. It affects your central nervous system and your cognitive functions. It d- affects your memory. Uh, you get like these horrible headaches. You get like, I mean, blinding headaches. Like you can't see. You, a lot of people like will develop like you slur your words. So basically this guy was driven mad without knowing. No one knew. So he's just like running this disgusting business surrounded by hundreds of dead bodies thinking it's normal. This is a horror movie. Thinking it's totally fine. This again, yeah, I feel like we've said this now like three times during this episode. This is the plot of a movie. This is a horror movie. Horrifying. I can't believe that that's real. That was the most out of left field ending I have ever heard. I truly thought these people were just evil. That's... It's just so sad in like every it's way. It's so sad. It's so upsetting for everyone involved. This, it just makes me sick to my stomach. Um, the one good thing that came out of this is that it actually did change some major laws in Georgia. I guess there was a loophole at the time. And this was the reason they were able to provide such cheap service to these people, which, like I said, was a blessing to the community because they, they really didn't have that option, you know, to have that cheaper option available for for burial because there was a loophole that since tri-state crematory only dealt with funeral homes they could operate without a license to avoid a yearly state inspection which sounds cuckoo Uh, bananas to me but yeah this case effectively closed that loophole so it's no longer a thing you can't do it i was gonna say i don't i don't know how that loophole ever you know even got by because yes everybody should be inspected if they had had the yearly inspections, they would have that would have been caught that there was a problem with the ventilation yeah. system. They wouldn't have been poisoned. Been found out so much sooner. Yeah, this wouldn't have happened. Um, oh also, God. just a fun fact: Mad as a Hatter originated in the early 1800s because of this sort of thing. It would famously affect hat makers in Europe. Oh, because of the chemicals they used, they would uh they would go mad over time, and they didn't know that it was happening, and they discovered it was mercury. So that's why people started saying that he's mad as a hatter. And then obviously uh, about like 1860, whenever the fuck Lewis Carroll wrote uh Alice Through the Looking Glass, yeah, we have the the Mad Hatter, who's like a goofy, weird, um, crazy person who <laughs> has hatter, mercury everybody. poisoning. <laughs> I never knew where that came from. Thank you for that fun You're fact. Welcome. We needed it after the heartbreak that you that served us all. Nightmare. My golly gosh. This was a... Remember at the beginning in my intro, I said You're how like, much it's fun we fun. had in these <laughs> What a lie. These are the this was so dark. <laughs> Can we just go back to talking about... The love story that's going to happen between yeah. the Scythian warrior. <laughs> Seriously, fucking hell. I mean, oh, what are you going to do? Sad. Life is scary. Life is sad. Life is scary. We're just bringing you all of these stories. Listen, you have were to know. just true. You have to know about him. I always kind of giggle during your openings because they sound like it's a mix between the two things that you do for a living, which is uh, – <laughs> co-host a podcast about like really macabre shit and then like sing to children because you're always like ooey gooey sticky icky brave heart brave heart brave heart emoji angel baby face spiders and it's like this is adorable and you're about to have your life ruined 
It is really funny that my <laughs> intros tend to be on the very cutesy side, and then I'm like, so yeah. this murderer. So this, uh, <laughs> woman died in her home, and no one loved her, so she was left there for years. Also, fun, Good quick Lord. fun fact for our listeners based yeah. on that, it, like Ashley knows this story, I did have my worlds collide once. A guy brought his son into my music class and was like, you're Lauren from Keep It Weird, right? And I was mortified. <laughs> I like immediately called Ashley, either called or sent you like a novel text. And I was like, I'm not okay. My heart's beating out of my chest. No, he was actually so nice. And we uh, connected because he actually used to be a part of another podcast, which well, now I'm horribly blanking on the name. It's the one that we were on. Who? Deliver us from Stevel. Oh, was the name? Um, that was a very special television. Very special television. Yes. I was literally about Love to be like TV show. guide special. TV guide. Very special television. He used to be a member of that podcast, whom that entire team we adore. So he was also a podcaster. And because we had had crossover, he started to listen to Keep It Weird and knew exactly who I was, but also was bringing his son to be a student in my music class. And I'm just so thankful he was a weirdo like me and was so nice and was like, I love all things spooky. But I had a heart attack because I try to keep the world as separate as possible. Anyway. Um, We should wrap it up. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we should. That is all the time we have for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you all for supporting us in whatever way you support us, whether it's by telling all your friends about our show, following us on social media, giving us a five-star review on iTunes, wearing our merchandise, or donating to our Patreon. We couldn't do this without you. We love you. Thank you. We wouldn't do this without you because who would we wouldn't we be doing this for? If you want to know more about how to support our show, follow us on social media at Keep It Weird Cast. You can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast. And uh, you can buy merch from us at etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast. And if you are a Patreon member, please remember to use your coupon code to get 10 to 20 percent off. Um, sign, sign off. off. What is it? Week. What's something really uplifting? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, um, justice was served today. <gasps> oh my gosh, I can't believe we hadn't mentioned that yet. Yes. Which justice was served today, though we can we can leave it at that. It was yeah, it was a victory. Mm-hmm. It's something it to celebrate, was... even though there's still work to do. It's it's a good thing to cheer for. A lot of work to do, but, um, you know, and it was very soul-crushing, the fact that even though we literally, everyone who saw the video was technically a witness to a first-degree murder, still had mm-hmm. to sit around and shake and worry that they wouldn't convict this murderer this of this crime. Um, so that's a very clear indication that we have some major problems with our justice system in this country. Absolutely. But I hope that this is the first step to having a safer place to live. It's progress in some small way. Like this, like I said, it's okay to acknowledge that there is work to be done and that we have this issue, but I think it's also okay to... Take a deep breath and say, you know, we won this one. This yeah, will at least for a hopefully day. spark change. Yeah. Oh you my know gosh. what I mean? Like give so many people are posting about like, you know, whatever we still have to. And it's like, give it a day. Just yeah, let sure. people breathe for one day. 
and then you can start fighting again tomorrow so that's the sign off today it's like breathe today breathe this weekend you got saturday and sunday weekends are fucking awesome they are and on monday we'll get back to work that's right ashley you tell them but until then keep it weird keep it weird I told you nothing. I was like, by the way, <laughs> I've been thinking <laughs> for for some time now, and my conclusion is that I will do some more thinking and get back to you. <laughs> Thank you for your time. <laughs> it's time to go.